We did get out to Badwater, I think it was three days before the race so that we could do some shakeout runs. And the first shakeout run, I was scared. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And they're like, no, it'll get better tomorrow, watch. And sure enough, it got better every day. But that first 30 minute run, I'm like, oh my goodness. You just can't, you, you have to experience for yourself what it feels like to be that hot. And the heat's coming up off the ground and it's just not cool. And I had researched all the, the clothing, so I had the right clothing. Um, you know, the, the cute little white hat that's covering your whole face and wearing the white clothing and um, having the, the buff with uh, that's soaked in water or having ice in it and mm -hmm. stuff. But um, it, it was a very interesting race because the, your van is with you and you're stopping every mile for your runner. Like that's how quickly you're going through a water bottle. And with bad water, your pacer can mule for you. So I'm holding a water bottle for my runner and for me as well. So I just have two. But it's every mile you're getting a new one, you drop your old one, you get a new one, and they all have salt in them. So you gotta make sure your runner's taking salt all the time, um, putting water on his head, putting water on my head. But it was it was doable. Like by the time I was pacing, it was definitely a, like a slower pace, right? So it was doable. I think I, I did a total of 33 miles out there. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and Beach, and we have thankfully been blessed to share so many stories of so many epic people on this earth. Today's guest, Coach Izzy B, is no exception. I met Izzy shortly after I moved to San Diego with a new purpose to complete my first ultramarathon. And since knowing her, although we don't see each other often, I have watched her level up in so many ways over the years. It's always such a great treat to join one of her ultra bud group runs or just running into her on the trails, which happens from time to time. Izzy plays so many roles in this life, and she's just another guest who leaves us with no excuses. She's the president of Janovic Communications, a marketing strategy firm. She is founder of Ultra Bud's running group, co-founder of Ghost Runners, coaching alongside YTP guest Vera Stepina from episode 196. She is an ultra runner herself and an obstacle course racer, currently training for the Dallas Spartan Ultra 50K, which includes over 60 obstacles. I would describe Izzy as driven. Uh, she completes what she starts and she continues to grow past her limitations as I see her empower her athletes to do the same. When she's not out there crushing it for herself or her athletes, she's in service of others. She recently paced a friend at the Badwater 135 and just announced that she's the race director for the North County Beer Run. So how did she get here? Well, that's what we're going to dive into and more. Izzy, my friend, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was awesome introduction. <laughs> no, seriously, girl. Like, I see you, like I was saying before we hit record, like I'll see you walking down the street with kettlebells or like you're doing a hill, you're doing hill repeats or you're on the trail or you're pacing someone at Badwater or you're volunteering for a race or you're organizing people to volunteer for a race and now you're a race director and it's just so cool to to see, um, just, we haven't even known each other that long, right? Like maybe four or so years. And, yeah. and, um, I know just from our trail talks that we had on the trail early on, like I've just seen you grow, like bust through limitations here and there. Like, I even think I remember you saying like Spartan, like, no, thank you. You're, you're right. <laughs> I was like, and now I'm doing the Spartan Ultra Beast. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> I know. So how did that happen? Let's dive into that. Talk, oh, talk about man. this race. Like, um, yeah, talk about how you 
got to thinking that doing over 60 obstacles is something it's not that, a good idea. that that's a good idea on top of running like to an run. ultra. <laughs> yeah, so the gym that I train at, um, MROC, it's an Oceanside Mud Run Obstacle Course gym. And I actually knew the owner before he opened the gym through trail running. So I went there, you know, just to do strength and conditioning, um, you know, because it's very important. Lifting weights, he he puts uh, has a lot of pride with his coaches. They, you know, really watch your form and everything. And if you're lifting too heavy, they just take the weight off, you know, you're losing your form. Um, so I trained there and, you know, got it, got into Spartan racing. I'm like, okay, I'll try one. So they're pretty fun. It's a different type of challenge for me. Uh, cause I lack upper body strength. So I usually throw in one or two Spartans a year just to change things up. You know, I don't want to get burned out with ultra running and, uh, it works all different types of muscles and you're sore in different ways. When you think you're in good shape, you go to an Emerald class and you'll find out real quickly that you're probably not in good shape. <laughs> it puts you in your place. So, uh, I think it was two years ago, uh, one of my girlfriends, uh, uh, we do ultra running. She, I teach her ultra running. I trained her, coached her uh, to do her first ultra, and she's really good at Spartan races. And she went out and did the Spartan ultra in Iceland. Like, wow, crazy. Her and another friend, um, two two ladies, friends of mine, went out there, and I was just so impressed with that. Like, that's like the hardest one. There's ice everywhere. There was only ah. a few hours of daylight, right? So I'm like, I got to try one of these ultras. Like, everyone says I would do really good at it because I have the endurance um, to stay out there. And I was intrigued with how the amount of females that even enter this division. So Spartan races are huge, but the... Ultra division, I think we saw the numbers. It's an average of only about 187 men enter it and only about 35 ladies even compete in it. And so I'm like, ooh, that's kind of cool. So before COVID, I signed up for the Dallas uh, Spartan and, you know, got canceled. So this is a deferred. So I have it coming up <laughs> next month in October. So, and you get a purple shirt, a purple jacket. So it's like, you know, sometimes the race swag. <laughs> <laughs> Every Spartan uh, distance has a different color, and I don't have a purple one, so you know. <laughs> so, what was like? What was the entry level Spartan that you did? Uh, I did the sprint, which is a, like a five k. So, okay, um, and then how many obstacles of, in there? Oh, gosh, how many obstacles in that one? Maybe like twelve or fifteen. Holy that shit, many. that's a lot over the course of. 3.1 yeah. miles. 3.1 yeah. miles. Thanks for doing the math. I was <laughs> like, I always race. Uh, I don't race the open heats. I race the age group heats, which means if you fail uh, obstacle, you have to do 30 burpees. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the, what, is that the only difference between the age group and the open race? The open race, you can have your friends help you over obstacles. Like if you can't climb a wall, someone can give you a boost. It's more fun. It's more um, entry level. <laughs> um, you don't have to do the burpees. If you really don't feel comfortable doing an obstacle, like, hey, I really can't do a rope climb or I'm going to fall and really hurt myself, you can just skip it. Whereas age group, you're going to compete for an age group award, a podium. And so all the obstacles count. If you miss it, you have to do 30 burpees. Or once in a while, they'll have a different type of penalty. Like you'll have to run an extra loop. And then there's the elite division, which is like the sponsored athletes. So there's three levels, which is kind of cool because there's something for everyone. You know, like my mom's going to do her first one hopefully soon. 
just, you know, she can, it's an open, you know, if she doesn't feel comfortable doing an obstacle, she can go around it or something or have people help her. So when you first walked into MROC, like you can, you can tell us like, oh, you know, strength and conditioning, but but there's a part of you that, was there a part of you that was like, oh boy, like I know what I'm walking into. Like, I know where this is going to lead kind of thing. Yeah. Because I had already known the owner and knew the level he was at. And he's a very serious businessman too. And I'd gone to a lot of gyms and they're kind of wimpy. Um, and I didn't really fit into the CrossFit gym because I think it wasn't enough running for me. Those who do CrossFit, I don't really like to lift heavy. I lift to mainly stay injury free and because it's good for you. Um, and I'd never been introduced to obstacles before. So I thought this is a pretty cool gym. So the first workout I went to, I got my ass kicked and I'm like, this is going to be worth it. This is what I need. I need an ass kicking gym. So mm. I signed up right Sounds away. Like you, um, Sounds like you like the the challenges. Sounds like yeah, you like, I do. I love like the challenges. Looking at the uh, the ratio you gave of men to women, and suddenly your eyes lit up. Like, oh my yeah. god, this is something I have to do. Like, has that always been a drive for you? Like, do you feel compelled to not prove something, but when you see that you know the the lack or the 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 I guess the opportunity, you just dive right in. Yeah, I like to try things and see what I'm capable of. And I mean, I've gotten DNFs just like everyone else, but. Um, I learned from it and kept going. My first 50 miler was a DNF, but I learned so much from that race. I'm like, I could do this. Maybe I should try a different course and change things and, you know, hire a coach. And sure enough, my second 50 miler was amazing experience. And so I keep doing them now. And I'm, uh, signed up for my first hundred miler. I've never really been intrigued with the hundred mile distance. It just, you know, I didn't really care. I kind of wanted to get faster at the 50 K Um, and I've never really had time to train for it either because there is a lot of time involved to train for a hundred mile run, um, you know, with work life balance, my family and stuff. But then they started coming out with these 200 mile races. And so I'm like, geez, I got to up up my game now, at least need to do a hundred miler, like at least just one. So I have my first hundred miler in January. Which Which one is it? It's cold water rumble. It's in Arizona. It's one of those air vapor races. Oh, Oh, that'll be so good. They run such a great show. They do. Um, And there's probably like, I think six of us ultra buds going out there. It's George Greco's 74th birthday. So I'm like, if he's running a hundred mile at 74, I think I can do. Is he doing the hundred miles? Is this his first hundred miles? It's his first hundred miler, yeah. Okay, that's somebody else that we have to get yeah. on the yeah. show because oh, he's amazing. Because didn't he just? Yeah, first of all, he did the. I think it was the Zion hundred k on twenty miles a week. Like yeah. he keeps, he keeps having these um, experiments of one, which I love. Like the yeah. experiment of one. Like let me see if I do this. And I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he started running like close to like being 60 or something yeah like that. yeah and he runs like an ultra like every other weekend <laughs> it, it never fails like i'll be out if you're here in san diego and you, if there's an ultra you know that george is going to yep. be there but i've run into him at rest areas like in the middle of nowhere and we're going to the same race you know um yeah he's he's just amazing i can't believe you guys are doing the hundred that's awesome well yeah so with our crew and pacers there's gonna be a big group of us out there and it's his birthday that weekend so we're just gonna have a blast like the course is five loops so we'll see the everyone you know five times Mm -hmm. so that's pretty fun my husband's gonna come out he's gonna run like the last five miles with me so that'll be cool that's so cool we're um 
Where is it in Arizona? Is it somewhere? Goodyear. It's called Goodyear. Hmm. I think it's just an hour north of the Phoenix airport. Oh, that'll be such a great yeah. race. What a cool experience. And then I saw leading up to that, you're doing Kira's Ray yeah, Miller. Yeah, I've never done one of her races. And it's uh, the timing's perfect. Her 50 miler, Ray Miller, uh, the timing's perfect for training for the 100. So. Yeah, I love Kara. We had her on the podcast. Um, she's got a good mind. Yeah, that's she's why I met strength. her. I was a co-host on a podcast with her. So oh, cool. I was the one asking her questions. I was like, you're so cool. I want to do races. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then she's really good friends with my coach. So, you know, again, small world. Like, Such a small world. Yeah. And now she's race director of the Lake Sonoma 100K. Yes. Which yes. is amazing. So yeah, uh, super cool. I love I love this community, um, and I love like you know that you can be out there on the trail, and like sometimes you and I will run into each other, and it's yeah. always like such a highlight, you know, because you, you never like you just don't know. You just don't know. Yeah. It's it's uh, yeah, it's super yeah. fun. So leading into this Dallas Spartan Ultra, are there any obstacles that you have like you haven't done before, or any that you're oh, just yeah. like oh I'm boy scared. Yeah. And they, Spartan keeps changing obstacles. Like there's this one <laughs> obstacle called the Olympus that I'm usually able to get in races and they have it at the training facility. And then I don't know how long ago it was, maybe six months ago, they changed the, um, the material of it. So everyone's been falling off of it. What's like, the Olympus? Um, the Olympus is like a wall, uh, a diagonal wall where you're, you, your hand grips are either on a hole, a chain, or kind of like a rock climbing mold. And you, you know, you kind of traverse across it and, um, yeah, they change the, it's like some plexiglass material now and everyone's slipping off of it. And they're always throwing in new obstacles because I keep watching the videos of like the race that just happened and then big bears coming up and, um, oh yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. I have no idea what to expect. Is, is, <laughs> is, the, training, is, is the training facility near, like, can you tr- can you train on? Is it nearby? Do they have many locations? Or it's just one location. Work? It's in Oceanside, so it's super close to us. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah that's the Emrock Gym. Oh, it's by Trader okay. Joe's. It's okay. like five minutes from your house. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you hear her sucking us in? Yeah, I know. it's like five. Well, my question, <laughs> and, my, and she must know that you love Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always there, twice a week. What? Um, so far in your your journey. Because this, you know, these are these are new adventures we're talking about. What has been the split of strength and endurance? Let's let's talk about because we're merging two worlds here. Yes, um, it's very strength. hard. Yeah. So, what has it been so far? Is it like seventy percent endurance, twenty five percent strength? Do you find is a good balance? Um, I feel like so. I work out six days a week. I have a full rest day. Sometimes I take two rest days. Um, I tend to rest more than. Uh, regular athletes because of mainly because of my Meniere's disease, um, my ear problem, it just fatigues me more. I need to rest more. You know, I sleep eight to nine hours a night. Like that's what I need. I take naps. Um, so I work out six days a week. I have my two long runs Fridays and Saturdays. And then during the week I'll do double. So I'll do a Spartan class and then followed by like a hour run or something. Um, I do a track once a week. So I do a speed work I do hills another day. Um, my coach makes my whole plan for me. So I'm doing MROC probably three or four days a week. Friday's my longest run. Saturday, I'll do the Ultra Buds run for an hour, and then I go to MROC. So by the time I go to MROC on Saturday, I'm, like, already dead. So, But that's good because that's the Ultra race. I'm going to be dead. So Yeah, you want to fatigue yourself to the end and then see yeah. how you – stack up because it's easy to go out fresh and hit yeah. your paces and and do the yeah. strength work it's when we get to that end that last 10 percent, that last 15 yep. percent. yeah 
So like today I went and did Emrock this morning and then I have track tonight, but I'm pretty busy today so I won't get my nap in. But and the dogs are very helpful with that. They're always down to nap. So. Yeah, you're also <laughs> I did not did not mention that in um in the intro, but you are a big dog lover yep. and a lover of pities and I've met your babies and your youngest one is Romanoff, who's not so small anymore. 75 pounds. Yep. <laughs> She's two. She's going through her terrible twos. <laughs> All right. So let's have, actually, let's dive into your story a little bit um, because you've been a lifelong athlete. Um, yes. You used to play basketball. and But tell us a little bit more about your roots, like basketball, and then um, you had kind of a, a life-changing experience as well, um, an accident. And, mm-hmm. uh, and to see where you are today is is quite is quite beautiful. So take us through like your story, like when you became like an athlete. Uh, so I started playing basketball um, and competitive swimming when I was five. So um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Brooks Street swimming pool mm-hmm. in Oceanside. Oh, yes. That's where I grew up swimming and competing. <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> it is still um, there. My dad it's that was odd very, distance. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, that was like it's the like, only pool around when, when we first moved here. Um, my dad was a big athlete, so he, uh, coached me because I was on all the boys teams back then there was no girls teams. So he coached me to make sure that I was treated fairly and, um, you know, it was played. So I did travel ball, uh, for basketball, got into high school, did competitive swim and, um, uh, basketball. And then I wasn't really having fun anymore. It was really competitive and political now that I look back, I'm like, maybe team sports wasn't really for me. Maybe my more like individual competitive because I loved swimming, which I mean, yeah, you're on a team with swimming, but you're really not on a team. You're, it's kind of like uh, solo. Um, so I had gotten into skateboarding, surfing, snowboarding, you know, growing up in San Diego. So I actually quit my senior year of high school team sports and I did a ton of snowboarding, surfing um, and vert ramp skateboarding. Uh, when I was 19, I went snowboarding and I broke my back snowboarding going off a jump. So that was like a life changing, um, moment for me. I just remember laying in in the snow. I felt it. I heard it. And I just started screaming. I wiggled my toes. Um, they got to me super quick. Uh, the mountain people, I, I was laying there for about an hour in the snow while they put everything on you to safely, like your neck and everything. Um, and the doctor said that that's probably what saved me from being paralyzed because my back didn't swell because I was laying in the snow for a good hour. So very thankful for that. Um, I was in a body brace, no surgery. I was in a body brace for about six months. After three months, I was allowed to do swim therapy, which was amazing. So that really saved me. And then just being athletic before the accident really saved me as well. So it was definitely depressing, you know, 19 year old before social media is out, you know, not being with your friends. And luckily I was still living at home and under my parents' health insurance. Phew, because that could have gone bad. But yeah, and I tried snowboarding again a year later and it just wasn't fun. I'm just like, I was just scared the whole time. I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. So um, I got into boot camps. During that time is when boot camps first came out, Mm -hmm. and that's how I got introduced to trail running. So I got introduced to the trails. I had no idea that there were even trail shoes or a hydration pack. I'm like, what are all these backpacks everyone's wearing? Like, um, So that was super fun, and that's actually where I met uh, Nicodemus Holan. I don't know if the the ultra runner, he's one of the Mm -hmm. finishers of Barkley. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually the youngest person who's finished the Badwater 135. He finished it when he was 19 years old. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's so wild. I didn't know who he was or, or his crazy resume. I just like, oh, that's Nick who does boot camp with us. And uh, he wanted to start coaching. So I was his, one of his first uh, clients as a runner and he was a coach and he got me into ultras. Next thing you know, I'm running the Lake Hodges 50K and it's, couldn't stop from there. I just loved yeah. it. And I ended having Nick be my coach, like the best supporter and motivator. It was just awesome. And that's kind of when I started Ultra Buds too, because there wasn't really anyone around for me to train with. There weren't all these running groups back then. So I started Ultra Buds. There was four of us. And then it's grown to, I don't know, we have over 800 people in our Facebook group now. So it's pretty oh my fun. God. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I love it. Like, I know I don't join on a ton of the runs, but when I do, um, it's just always so fun to meet new people. There's always different paces. There's always super fast mm-hmm. people off the front. There's people walking, like they just yep. come and they, and they walk or they walk, run it. Um, so how has this sense of community assisted you in like moving past, you know, like, oh, I'm not cut out for 50 mile or I'm not cut out for a hundred mile. Like how has the sense of community that you've created assisted you in moving past things that maybe you never thought you would move past? Oh man, I can't believe the amount of amazing people I've met. Um, and now there's like, what, eight different running groups, trail running groups in San Diego. It's amazing. We all do collaboration runs together. We all motivate and inspire each other. You don't have to worry about finding a crew or a pacer because you have someone in your community. And me being a a marketing person, social butterfly anyway, I just love meeting new runners and talking and helping people. And that's kind of how it turned into the, the coaching later. You know, we wanted to help people. Like there's so much that you don't know for your first ultra. Like it's not just running, it's mental, it's hydration, nutrition, gear, shoes, like the hydration pack. <laughs> yeah, let's talk a little bit about mental. Like how do you what do you consider like for your mental training? What does that look like? Um for me being uncomfortable in certain situations, like being comfortable with being uncomfortable. So Say I know there's a race in the wintertime. Whenever it starts raining, I go out and run in the rain on purpose. So that come race day, I'm mentally prepared. Hey, I've trained in the rain. I know it's going to suck, and but I know what to expect. Or if I'm training for like when I was training for bad water to pace, I know it's going to be hot out there. So I trained heat training for three months. I would go out the hottest time of the day, fully clothed, sometimes wearing a rain jacket, and I'd go out there and run. You know, and it was miserable. It was hot, but I had people in my community to come join me. There was always like two or three people who would come with me. They weren't wearing all the clothes like I was, but they were there in case I passed out, you know? Um, And you know, if you needed some psycho to throw on a rain jacket and run with you, you could find somebody. Probably, yeah. (laughs) There was a few of us. So putting myself in those uncomfortable situations, uh, running in the sand, um, I had to do something. There was some race coming up that there was sections of sand. So I went to the beach and put on my hydration pack and ran in the sand in Carlsbad. So, mm-hmm. and it's not fun. Like now I'm doing a ton of burpees on the side because I know I'm going to be doing them at this Spartan race. And who wants to do burpees every day? But, it's being, but you're doing it. <laughs> it's being comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> How much does, um, specificity play in in training for you um with these spartan races and and trail races is it 
something that is a, a big focus or is it let's dial it back and let's get the basics in where we r- we're running the mileage, we're doing the strength um, versus like practicing burpees, practicing uh, in the sand. Like, is, is that as important? Um, I like to be specific with my training and that's why I hire a coach, even though I've done a lot of distances and I'm a coach myself, I, there's still so much to learn. And so I actually have a coach, um, Jeff Browning. He's the one who holds like the second most finished 100 mile races. I think he just had a record. He, uh, he just, uh, um, got first place at the Mogollon, Mogollon Monster. 100 miler yeah, set I know a that new name. course record mm-hmm. yeah so he's just amazing um so he just spells everything out for me and i i me personally i like structure i like tell me exactly how it is um you know my garmin connects to training peaks he sees everything i like structure <laughs> not some people like more flexibility but you know that's just how i work and i like i would rather be over prepared i would rather take my time and train you know eight months for a hundred mile a race instead of four months, even though I know I have the endurance. So as a coach, right? So it's mm-hmm. you, you like, you like to get the data, hit the thing, do the laps, do the thing, you know, like eight reps. I do eight reps. I don't do seven. Mm-hmm. I don't do nine. Follow the plan, right? Plug it in, upload it. But as a coach, what, are, what about those athletes that maybe are like, Oh, my Garmin's not connecting to Training Peaks, or well, BJ, you probably yeah, know or more. I of didn't that. have enough time, so I did. <laughs> yeah, I ended up I ended up cutting the warm up short and the whole workout short, and just did fifteen of the reps um, because I only ha- was short on time, or I didn't do the workout at all because the day got away from me. So as yeah, a coach, I'm definitely yeah. flexible with people, and I mean, there's times where I have that problem too. Um, especially sometimes with my Meniere's disease, I'll be like, hey, I had a really crappy day today, and I just took an extra rest mm-hmm. day. Or work gets in the way sometimes or traveling like, hey, I I just got back from traveling and I'm exhausted. So I totally understand. I get it. I have uh, Zoom talks with my clients ahead of time and I kind of ask them, um, you know, what kind of work do you have? What do you do? Like, what are your hours that you work? Uh, How many kids do you have? All these different things that take place. Which rest day would you prefer during the week? Let's work around that. What days are you going to be traveling? Like, let's be realistic when you're on vacation. Are you going to be able to get your runs in? Um, you know, uh, is there a treadmill nearby if you're staying at a hotel? Like, so I am realistic with them. Yeah, I think, and I was just on a call with someone yesterday. I don't think the problem for most athletes is like getting the work done. It's like setting up the expectations of how much time you do really do have to train. Like, mm-hmm. let's remove the pressure of like, I should be doing more or I should be getting in. And let's talk about what what actual time you do have and let's build around that, right? Yep. And be really successful at that. And then mm-hmm. we can start to create maybe some um, some long sessions or longer sessions. But it's, it's never a, a factor of like, in my opinion, having a motivated athlete because they're coming to you for a reason, right? They, yep, I mean, they're exactly. seeking coaching, so they want that next level. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like holding them back and, and getting the best out of them with the lifestyle, the 360 degree picture mm-hmm. of what's happening in their life. Yeah. And then I give them warning, like, hey, this is going to be about the time that's your peak weekend for your race. Don't make any plans that weekend. Trust mm-hmm. me. You're just going to want to like take a nap after this, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or explain them ahead of time. Hey, you ready for a 50 mile or like this is about the amount of time that's going to take training wise. Like realistically, will this work for you? If not, we can extend your your training plan and pick a different race to give you more time, you know. 
What has coaching taught you about yourself? I mean, I know being an athlete has taught you a lot, but what's coaching taught you? Coaching has definitely taught me a lot of patience, (laughs) flexibility, um, and uh, that I still, there's still so much for me to learn too, Mm. I think. Yeah. And so I'm always growing, learning, um, even though I'm a, a teacher, I still go back to school. I mean, I took two classes over the summer. I took advanced Excel, like amazing. <laughs> like I use it all the time. Why not take a class to learn uh, more things I could do with it? I took Google apps. And right now I'm in a class uh, taking a uh, web presence and e-commerce to learn how to do a Shopify page. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly like learning new stuff too. Absorbing. Have you always yeah. been like that? Like just wanting yeah. to learn? Yep. I always liked school. My brother didn't. So my, I was the easy one for my parents. They just like, <laughs> my mom said she would punish me. Her, her way of punishing me when I was a kid was to take away like my pencil and paper because I used to like to write a lot. <laughs> Such a nerd. <laughs> and um, attention to nutrition too, right? Do you help yes. your athletes with that? Like fueling and when to eat, what to eat? Yes. So Vera Stepina, my business partner with Ghost Runner, she is um, certified in all the strength and nutrition, all that. So she does that side and I do the running program side because I'm certified with all the running coaching and all that. So um, She recently had a shirt on that said F macros. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like a joke though. <laughs> like, all her shirts are so funny. I count my macros. She gives them, she actually helps me and gives them to me. And uh, she's kind of like my little therapist sometimes. She yeah. asks me very hard questions. I'm like, I can't just give up these Pop-Tarts. And so she digs deep. Why can't you give up the Pop-Tarts? People that know me, I have a Pop-Tart addiction. You do Pop-Tart have, a, I've, I've known that. Yes. And you, and I also You're have so known you to you. like, you like beer, right? Yes. Yes. But you, you have, you have a, uh, I would say like an awake relationship with mm-hmm. beer. Yeah. Right? So how do you how do you find that balance between, you know, your your love for beer and, you know, and also not compromising your athletic potential? Yeah, so I am a craft beer snob. <laughs> I love beer and I was recently introduced to the Topo Chico's hard seltzers. Mm. those are amazing too and i'm a wino so it's like and i love tequila so but um (laughs) that is quite the span (laughs) but i also have my priorities and what's important to me like i'm I'm not the person who goes out there and and parties and gets drunk i I like to drink by myself in the couch or after a long training (laughs) run i'll take a beer in the shower with me like that's how i enjoy myself (laughs) um but I, when I have a serious race, I cut out alcohol for about four to six weeks before a race. So I take long breaks and then I'll drink, celebrate afterwards for like a week, maybe two. And then I cut it all out again. So um, how do you it, like, is there a mindfulness piece, like an awareness piece? Like, are, are you aware? Like, do you have those impulses? Like, okay, oh, I'm getting to the race. That means I can drink again. Like I can drink again or no, not too much. Um, it, it, because once you, once I stop drinking after like three or four days, I kind of forget about it. Um, because you just feel so, I mean, it's not good for you. I feel inflamed when I drink beer. Um, my workouts aren't as, are sluggish, you know, just all the negative things with alcohol. I just like the taste of it to me. It's like, you know, like people like ice cream or cake or cookies. Like I like a good craft beer. So, um, 
But yeah, I feel so much stronger when I'm not drinking. That's why I cut it out for like four to six weeks while I train hard, recover quicker, faster. Mm -hmm. What does your nutrition look like leading into a race? Maybe like the 48 hours leading into a race? 48 hours leading into a race. I do my big carb load uh, two nights before race day and I do a lot of sweet potatoes. A lot of veggies, a lot of sweet potatoes, and a lot of salmon. So I call myself an Isabellitarian because I'm not necessarily like a vegan or a vegetarian. Because if you get down into details, I do eat eggs, a lot of eggs. My body works fine with eggs. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, they can't. Um, I eat hard cheeses like cheddar cheese. Um, so what do you call those? Ov Ovotarian? I don't know. Pescatarian. So there's so many different labels. I just call myself wow. Isabellitarian. I just eat what I like and what I know fuels my body. So a lot of uh, salmon, sweet potatoes, and actually a lot of broccoli. Broccoli and I do fine. Yeah, I'm a big fan of broccoli. What, yeah. uh, what about the night before the race? Um, I, Same thing. It, it, I eat a lot of rice, white rice and salmon. And um, I actually eat frosted mini wheats is kind of, I know it's bad. For, I know it's like a random thing. So I have like a, just a, I have like a little small bowl of frosted mini wheats. <laughs> so it's like my comfort food. Everyone and, you has take their, that, and I take that into the shower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when traveling, I do not eat out before a race, like traveling. Cause I'm so paranoid. Like I don't know what the restaurant put in the food. So I, I always like check to see where the grocery stores are. And I'll just buy like simple things like cereal, oatmeal, and rice. Just like carb load on that the night before. I won't even eat fish out if I'm traveling somewhere. I'm just too paranoid. Yeah, so people <laughs> who are traveling, like a lot of times are like, well, I have no choice. And I know BJ and I have become very resourceful with what you can do in a hotel room. With a microwave. With, with a microwave yeah. and a refrigerator. So yep. what are some things that you've, some tricks that you found to stay on task with your nutrition if you're traveling? Yeah, I bring um, all my own spring energy. I do like boba bars. I bring my own protein powder, um, my own oatmeal. Um, and then at the grocery stores, you can purchase like a, the, um, because I do coconut milk. So I'll do my own coconut milk, um, get that at the grocery store. They have little rice things that you just put in the microwave, super plain rice. I've seen those at the grocery store. Um, I can always find oatmeal there too. And then my uh, cereal. So it's just really plain. And then I just do my own protein powder for protein just because I don't want to eat out. Now, after the race, that's fine. I'll eat out. I can, you know, risk getting food poisoning. But I don't know. I'm just paranoid before a race. I just want to make sure it's my stomach's good. And I have to eat a low-sodium diet because of my ear problem, my Meniere's problem. So that's another reason why I don't like eating out, too. Yeah, let's talk about that. So explain to people what that is. So about six years ago, I was diagnosed with Meniere's disease. Usually people don't get it until they reach their 60s. <laughs> so lucky me. You're just an overachiever. Yeah. I'm just going to bring this thing in early. Yeah, and it's actually kind of a hard disease to diagnose. And it's uh, what happened was I kept getting dizzy super dizzy after running or doing stuff, uh, workouts. And I'm like, hmm, maybe it's my hydration, nutrition. And then I started getting ringing in the ear and I started losing my hearing in my left ear. And then I had a, a vertigo attack and I'd never had vertigo before. And it was on a day I wasn't running or doing anything. And it like actually really scared my husband. He's like, that's not good. You need to go to the doctor. So during that time, I actually went to my urgent care doctor a lot because she was really cool. And, um, 
she had helped me with stuff in the past just because of of the number of years of experience she had. And she said, I think I know what's wrong with you, but I'm not an ENT, an ear, nose, throat doctor, but I think I know what's wrong with you. You need to go see this ear, nose, throat doctor. I worked for him for many years and he will be able to help you. So I said, okay. So I went and saw the ear, nose, throat doctor. He's like, I have a feeling it's Meniere's disease. I'm going to try some tests, do different things. Um, I need you to track everything, how you feel, how you eat your workouts and then report back to me. And so I report back to him with like a book and he's like, Whoa, you really took notes. I'm like, heck yeah. Like I'm not messing around. So yeah, I was diagnosed with Meniere's disease. I lost about 40% of my hearing on my left ear. And, um, but I've been able to, uh, control it with diet and exercise and one medication that I take at night before I go to bed. So I'm not on a ton of meds. It's one medication and it's actually the same medication they give you for altitude sickness. So it works out kind of good with my mountain running. Mm. Ah. Yeah. So. Vert- vertigo. So how would someone know that they're, because I wouldn't know, what is a vertigo? Uh, so like yeah, that? it's absolutely horrible. Vertigo is um, when everything starts getting dizzy and weird around you. It's almost like if you've been super duper drunk and your head's spinning, but there's mm. no way to control it. Like mm. you can't, like you'll, I'll throw up the, 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 um, the trash cans next to me, I'll throw up. And what, what they have me do is they help me to take a, an anti-nausea over the counter medicine and a Benadryl. So the Benadryl knocks me out. So I go to sleep and you just sleep it off. Uh, the worst I've had is four days in bed. It just completely debilitates you. And, uh, a lot of people it's worse. They'll be out, um, for like a couple weeks and they have to be on disability for their job. They just can't work anymore. You can't do anything. You can't listen to music. The The room has to be dark. You can't even watch TV. Like, it's just that bad. So um, the so I'm able to control it with exercise. You know, I t- make sure I'm on my sleep. I have a low-sodium diet, no more than 1,500 milligrams a day, which is like nothing if you read labels. The only time I'm allowed to have more is if I'm sweating a lot. So on long training runs, I can have more salt. So uh, with the salt pills... With endurance athletes, you know, I would say most athletes take two pills an hour. I take one every two hours. So I've been able to control it. And I've been really lucky with my races. I did a 100K earlier this year and I had no problems. Um, I did a 50 mile or two years ago. And as soon as I got in the car for the drive home, I was throwing up the whole car ride home. Mm-hmm. So nothing happened during the race, but it happened after. So it just depends. Every race is different. Yeah, the conditions, the heat, because I'm assuming the heat, the hotter races are the ones that you would probably mostly need more salt. Yeah, but I um, did fine at Badwater. Yeah. No Yeah, I was going to say, so it, so, so it, would, it would, on paper, it would say like, well, you need to say no to Badwater. Mm-hmm. Like on you paper. can't say yes to this. On yeah, paper, yeah. <laughs> on paper. <Right. laughs> so what goes on in, in the paper in your mind when you, hear, well, when you get just, an opportunity like that? I mean, I, I just, I never know if it's, it could go one or two ways. So why not try it? Cause it could end up amazing. Right. I did. I ran the Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim and I had no issues at all. So it's just, you never know. I went and did a, a one of Jeff Stoner's 10 Ks and I got super sick and it was a 10 K. Hmm. So it's just, you really just never know. So, so until I try it. So there's people out there that are that are like, um, they're just paralyzed by something like that, right? Yeah. So and and you have this uh, adventurous curiosity about your what you're experiencing in your life. Mm-hmm. So how do you 
And it may just be, you may not even have an answer for it, but how do you just keep going? Like good races, bad races, but you just keep showing up with a perspective of like, oh man, I don't, whatever happens today is supposed to happen. Yep, exactly. That's exactly how it is. And I make sure that I have a ride after races. You know, some, most people, they can drive themselves home. Well, I know that I might have an issue after a race. So, you know, I'll make sure that my crew or pacer knows that they have to drive me. I have my medicine on me, anti-nausea medicine on me. Uh, Vera knows now that she carries uh, throw-up bags in her car because that was her car. That we were, <laughs> she has a nice car. Drive home. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't want to throw up in the Russian's car. <laughs> Luckily, she has three kids. She's like, oh yeah, this has done this lots of times. <laughs> so yeah, it's just uh, I haven't had lost any more hearing in my ear, and just again controlling it with diet. Um, that's another reason why I cut out alcohol too, because alcohol can make it worse. So they, you know, uh, I I drink half calf decaf half half-calf coffee, so half-calf, mm-hmm. half-decaf, because too much caffeine can trigger it. So it's just finding out, it's like finding out what works for you, right? So yeah. when when athletes say like, they're trying to figure out what works for them, and they're they're looking at what you're doing, they're looking at what your other athletes are doing, how do you help How do you assist your athletes in finding out what works for them? Because the plan for you is not the plan for me and it's not Mm -hmm. the plan for Beach, right? Like we got to find, we got to be empowered to find out what works for us, but not be too scared to blow up. Yep. And uh, one of the things I have my clients do is I have them do days where they just do time on their feet and they're hiking, not running. And that's the day where they're out there, they're testing gear, they're testing food, they're testing uh, hydration, nutrition, and I have them take notes of what they ate that day. So if they do have like a bad stomach problem or something, at least they knew on a hike and not some like crazy run where they, you know, poop their pants or something. Because that can happen too. <laughs> it does happen. There's a lot of poop talk with our clients. <laughs> Endurance athletes, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then we give them trail some, runners, especially trail runners. runners yeah. Yes. And then Vera is very with the nutrition. She tells them like, uh, you know, I can tell you what I do. Izzy can tell you what she does, but you need to go out there and experiment all these different foods. Like here's a list of all the things that you could try and see what you like and what doesn't like. I know a lot of people who do hard boiled eggs during runs. I can't do that. I've tried it and it didn't work, you know? So it's just like an example. And Vera and I eat completely different. Like, uh, we talk about it all the time. Uh, I like uh, tuna melts, and she thinks that's the most disgusting thing ever to put fish with the cheese. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and she eats weird things where I'm just like, oh. oh. <laughs> so. And she's not, she doesn't, she's not drinking at all. Like, she stopped yeah. drinking about a yeah. year ago. I just saw a mm-hmm. post of that of her. So it's like finding what works for you, yep. you know? And like, what works for me is that I don't have spans. Well, if I have spans that I don't drink, it's not planned. It's just anytime that comes into my awareness, I, I just have a, a check with myself. Like, mm-hmm. do I want this? I smell it. Like, does mm-hmm. this smell good? Sometimes it smells like poison. Sometimes it smells like my best friend, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just finding out what works for me, not in the whole grand scheme of things, but in the moment, because it'll be different from day to day. It'll be different from that you know, first glass of wine to an opportunity to have a second one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like now let's go back and check it again. Like what, what's tomorrow look like? What time do I want to wake up? Like how, exactly. and that might seem like a lot of work, but it's not a lot of work. I think it's just getting in touch with, with who you are in that moment. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we did it the other day. We were at our next door neighbor's house and they were all drinking shots of tequila and I didn't want to, you know, no big deal. They don't care. They know how I am and running. And then as soon as my watch said 830, I said, good night. It's time for the sweatpants to go on because I'm waking up early in the morning to go train. So, <laughs> and they know, they don't care, you know, they think it's think awesome. The, do you think the biggest op, uh, opportunity in nutrition is just that athletes don't take in enough? Uh, take in enough calories? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Not, not in my experience. I've, I've seen some athletes do that, but not all of them. Mm-mm. What do you I, see? Yeah. <sighs> Probably that they don't experiment enough with different foods or they're eating not real foods. They're, they've um, always learned about goos, the chemicals. Mm. So, or if it's a road runner going to a trail runner, they're really into the goos and the chemicals instead of real food. And you're like, hey, why don't you try like some potatoes? Something super plain, you put a bunch of salt on it. So just opening their eyes to different types of like whole foods, I guess, and less chemicals and having them read the labels on, you know, all the different drinks they're drinking. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, hey, look at the labels of a scratch drink versus the drink that you've been drinking or like a Gatorade. Look at the ingredients and see what's in it. Like just opening up their awareness with that. Yeah, awareness. Isn't that a huge, huge component? Like uh-huh. cause we, we build up these habits of things that we believe are true or, and believe work for us. And in most cases, it's just a story that we created. We created ourselves and we start sharing with other people. Mm-hmm. So. How do you, mm-hmm. is, is, that's one way to make people a, a, a aware of their nutrition. How do you, I know we're asking you a lot of coaching questions, but <laughs> how does your aware, how do how does your awareness get peaked? Like how do you, how do you bust maybe yourself out of a routine so that you're more alert to maybe some habit that you've created in the moment? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, or mindfulness tools. Like, is there a, 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 a mantra or something that get you reset back on the target at hand or the, or, or maybe you don't fall off too often. No, I definitely fall off. I'm, I'm human. Um, I guess just goals, like looking at my goals, like, Hey, I signed up for this race, you know? So signing up for a race and looking at my time, um, Hey, um, I, I have this race in four weeks and I'm still not getting this one obstacle. Like, or I need to go practice the spear throw. When's the last time I threw a spear? So, and then I use my calendar a lot. Everything's color coded in my um, Google calendar. So I can put little notes in there of what I need to do. And that's kind of how I keep on track. Um, having a coach helps because, you know, getting that training peaks email every morning that tells you what you need to do that day, remind you. Um, having a good gym helps um, with the level of coaching we have at my gym. Mm. Um, having a community of friends, like if you don't show up to something or saying like, you know, just talking smack on Instagram, we talk smack to each other a lot. Like (laughs) make sure you don't fall off. Hey, haven't seen you in a while. Are you alive? Like when was your last long run? (laughs) I love that. I was listening to um, a podcast you were on with uh, Jeff's podcast, the trail trail life podcast, um, which thank you very much for, turning him on to me because I loved my conversa- our conversation. It was great. Uh, he was so funny because he wanted to bring me on about being a vegan athlete. And mm-hmm. he was just like, I have no idea. You know, I just know <laughs> I need to eat more vegetables. I don't do a very oh, good job. So funny. He's so funny. Um, heat training. Let's mm. talk about heat training. Like we, we just... Um, well, not we, but BJ just competed at the Ironman 70.3 World Championship. Okay, so a week... Prior to that, if you looked at the weather, it was like 
100 degrees sunny, 99 sunny, like it just looked like a hot day. On top of that, the way that they um, scheduled the age group starts, the last wave was starting at 10 a.m. This created a Mm -hmm. lot of panic for people Mm -hmm. about the heat, brought up a lot of stories about the heat uh, experiences that they had had in the past and all of that. So, and I just, I look at that not as being wrong, but man, that's a huge expenditure of energy to be Mm -hmm. so panicked about something. Um, And I know that you are big on heat training. You can talk, you're well-versed on heat training and you've experienced it leading into Badwater and of course other races. So let's just dive into that topic of heat training anywhere you want to start. Yeah. So I'm thankful that I have a pretty flexible work schedule. So during the week on my short runs, I can go out at 12 o'clock, one o'clock, two o'clock for my runs. And, um, I'm also thankful that I have a few buddies in the area that live close by that have flexible schedules too, and are willing to go with me because safety first, uh, it's possible I could pass out on the trail, you know? So I want to have a buddy with me. I have my phone with me. Um, uh, if I'm out in the mountains, I'm just not alone. Um, and I'll load up on clothing, wear a bunch of clothing. I make sure I have extra water and ice in my hydration pack. Um, I make sure I have a, like a mini cooler in the car waiting for me so I can cool down afterwards. There's no problem with cutting the run short if I'm just like not feeling it or if I'm like, hey, I really can't wear the jacket the whole two hour run. I, you know, I take it off. So obviously safety first. Um, with my clients, if I know there's going to be a hot race, like with Black Mountain, I'll tell them Saturday and Sunday don't start at 6 or 7 a.m. You guys need to go out later in the day because you're running a 50K. You're going to be out there until, you know, what, 1 or 2 p.m. So go out there at 11 or 12. And if you don't feel comfortable running in the heat, hike. So, you know, that's that's the day. Do time on your feet, on the course, Black Mountain, hottest time of day on Saturday and Sunday. So, um, yeah, I did have my clients do that. And I said, the more you do this, the more it's going to benefit you on race day. And, of course, it did not get hot before Black Mountain at all, you know. And then on race day, it's hot. Of course, that's always happening. Well, that's how Black Mountain is. It's got (laughs) to be hot. Same thing with Badwater, too. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's only 80 degrees. (laughs) This is horrible. I need it to get in the hundreds. (laughs) Like, I'm going out to Fallbrook and Bonzel. Yeah, so leading into that, I mean, that we had Sally McRae on the podcast a couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago, and, you know, she was big on the specificity, you know. Um, doing a hard, like hard workouts up, um, mm-hmm. up the Mount Whitney, uh, Mount Whitney yeah. uh, portal road portal. and then mm-hmm. going out into the heat and, and running like on the flats. So to go from, yeah, we had a very cool spring here too. Like we had mm-hmm. a cold, like cold. Let's just talk San Diego talk here. <laughs> it was cold. It was downright cold in June. It was like 45 degrees. It was cold. <laughs> it was like 60 some days. Um, <laughs> How did you bridge that gap between, you know, the the coolness of San Diego, knowing you're going to temps of like 125? So did mm-hmm. you go out like Anzo Borrega Desert? Did you go out into the desert like that? No, I didn't have time to be able to. The farthest I got out was like Fallbrook, and I would just read um, the weather and go out in Poway Escondido, like the hottest times of the day. I'd try to go out there and just... That's why I wore my layers all the time, my clothing. And we did get out to Badwater, I think it was three days before the race, so that we could do some shakeout runs. And the first shakeout run, I was scared. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And they're like, no, it'll get better tomorrow. Watch. And sure enough, it got better every day. But that first 30-minute run, I'm like, oh, my goodness. 
you just can't, you, you have to experience for yourself what it feels like to be that hot. And the heat's coming up off the ground and it's just not cool. And I researched all the, the clothing. So I had the right clothing. Um, you know, the, the cute little white hat that's covering your whole face and wearing the white clothing and um, having the, the buff with uh, that's soaked in water or having ice in it and mm-hmm. stuff. But um, it, it was a very interesting race because the, your van is with you and you're stopping every mile for your runner. Like that's how quickly you're going through a water bottle. And with bad water, your pacer can mule for you. So I'm holding a water bottle for my runner and for me as well. So I just have two. But it's every mile you're getting a new one, you drop your old one, you get a new one, and they all have salt in them. So you got to make sure your runner's taking salt all the time, um, putting water on his head, putting water on my head. But it was it was doable. Like by the time I was pacing, it was definitely a, like a slower pace, right? So it was doable. I think I, I did a total of 33 miles out there for bad water. Yeah. Did you have one section or a couple sections? Um, different sections, yeah. So luckily our crew chief was uh, the runner, Jonathan Gunnerson. It's his coach. So that was great. So coach just said, hey, you know, told us when and where to go in. Like, hey, there's a climbing part. We want Isabel to go in. She's more of a climber. Or, hey, this is a fast downhill. We want the other person to go in fast downhill. Like, yeah. Just Did you feel any pressure? Uh, at first, during training, yeah. I'm like, I can't mess this up. Like... <laughs> Like, luckily, my coach knows Jonathan, too. So he's like, you're going to be fine. I'll get you there. And I'm like, I can't mess this up. He said he he's, wants to be a top 10 finisher again. Like, <laughs> he wasn't looking just to finish a race. <laughs> top 10 finisher. <laughs> yeah, so you got to take care of your pacing is so tough at, like, long distance races because you got to, like, it's it can't be about you. But then it has to be about you, like, in this kind of secret way because if you're not, if if you're not tending to yourself, like... Yep. And that was a big part of it, too, with this race. Like, pacers have to make sure they're taken care of. They're telling the crew chief what they need if they're not feeling good. Um, because, yeah, there's definitely been issues in the past with his crew and pacers getting sick and stuff. And so that was a big fear of mine, too. I've never seen so many runners throw up before that bad water like <laughs> where so was Vera many. when you needed her oh my gosh I know I didn't I didn't get sick uh there was a couple times where I'm like hey I uh I, you know I need to take my ginger tabs just in case but for me it was a sleep deprivation because for pacing and crew and bad water you're in the van the whole time driving so you're just getting little naps here and there it's not like we're you can sit at an aid station you're mm-hmm. like hey I have three hours until my runner comes I can totally sleep in the car you know it wasn't like that it's a lot of sleep deprivation. Well, they talk about um, they talk about the runners getting a little delirious, uh, especially in the later stages. Did you have any like awkward conversations, or was there any sort of like incoherent? Stories? Oh yeah, there was yeah. A, there was a lot of weird talk toward the end, but you know you're all tired and you just go. <laughs> Nothing too crazy with my runner. It was his eighth time doing it, so he kind of knew what he was doing. Yeah, he was. That was another thing that I was lucky about because he had his routine down. He knew exactly, like, he was very organized. He knew the the course, like, hey, this is where I need pacers. This is the time I'm going to be here. This is, I'm going to need this, this. Like, the van, it's organized. Like, I went with people who knew what they were doing. Because, you know, you always see the new people once their first or second time, and you're like, whoa, I'm glad I'm with this group. <laughs> so when you were asked to do it, like, what was that moment like? So originally I met Jonathan through... Um, 
uh, in Gingy. He's one of the athletes and I'm the team manager. So getting to know each other on Zoom, I'm like, wow, I'm like, I'm so intrigued with this race, but I have no desire to do it myself. But I would love to like check it out, you know. So we kind of like joked around like, oh, yeah, you should come crew me and, you know, all that stuff. And then we got to know each other. I'm like, hey, um, in Gingy, like we can do a whole marketing campaign around this because we had two runners doing it. Uh, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. Like you could totally crew. And so I just originally thought I was just going to crew. And then next thing you know, he's like, yeah, so you're going to run this section and this section. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm pacing now. Like rad. I could do this. This is another new challenge. I called my coach. I'm like, Hey, so I'm pacing bad water now. And he's like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You're just up for anything. Right? Yeah. Like, and it doesn't mean, so being up for things and, and doesn't mean you're not going to be scared. Oh, yeah. I was scared the whole time. Like, I can't mess this up. Like, I didn't tell him any of that. Right. How do you move forward, like, (laughs) when you're scared like that? It's not an Uh, absence of fear. Well, I I guess, like, I kind of tell myself the same thing. Like, you know, I'm trying my best. You know, I work for it. I, I have all the tools. I do all my research. I read about everything. Uh, there was another San Diego friend who was also pacing the other Ingenji athletes. So we did a lot of talking to each other and would motivate each other. Like, hey, it's going to suck, but let's, we got to go out there and train in the heat, you know, like let's do 20 miles and the heat type of thing. And then the community I'm around, they were really helpful too. When I'd have to do my short training runs, like I'd be tired and like, oh, it's so hot. They're like, hey, you got to heat train. You got to do this. So having my community behind me and my coach helped a lot too. And just being a part of it too. I still have no desire to do the race, by the way. I was going to ask you that. No desire. I'm good. It's, it's too much road for me too. It's a lot of road. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it all road pretty much? It is. Yeah. I mean, you got some little (laughs) dirty dirt sections, but I was wearing my road shoes the whole time. Yeah. Um, How did he finish? (laughs) How did he do? He did good. He got eighth. He got eighth place. So yeah, he had an amazing race. I think, think, I'm pretty sure it was his best one so far. Yeah. He was right after Sally. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah. We were right after Sally. So we kind of saw some back and forth throughout. And I got to meet her after the race and stuff. She did a really great speech um, at the after party and just so inspiring. She pretty much said this was like a 10-year goal for her to win that. And I'm like, what? There's still a chance for me to like do something crazy? Like, yeah. And the yeah. fact that she's like older, you know, and has children and still out there doing it, sponsored by Nike, like, yeah. And she thinks she can go, she can cut a few hours off too. She thinks yeah. she can go faster. Oh, which... Yeah. She's Even not, she I... threw up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone was throwing up out there. <laughs> Yeah, she's not done. I thought she was going to be like, yeah, that's, you know, like, da, da, like, and she was like, oh, no, I'm already, no, I've already, like, put my name in for next year. Like, she's, she's going for it. I so it. being in that, as we wrap this up, being in that community, like, being a part of something that obviously you loved, you'd, I'm assuming you'd probably go back and take that opportunity again to pace, but you have no desire to do that race. But listening to Sally, being with your runner um, who met his goal, like Mm -hmm. what's a takeaway from that that's going to fuel you moving forward 
into Oh, these. I am so pumped all the time because I get to, you know, being a team manager for NGNG and Spring Energy, I get to talk to professional athletes all the time. And every time there's like a race now, I'm following it to a T, like the live tracking. And then I'll call my coach that week and be like, I want to do hard rock one day. And he's like, whoa, settle down. Like, <laughs> why don't you come out and crew and pace hard rock and then we'll talk. And then I'll like research it. And then like the, you know, we'll talk later. I'm like, just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But, um, <laughs> But it gets me all pumped up and excited, you know, but I am actually really contemplating on doing Moab 240. I'm actually going out there next month and I'm working uh, the finish line for five days with the race director. So um, I'm going to see what that's all about, because that's another one I'm intrigued on, because all these people are doing 100 mile races, but there's not that many people doing the 200 yet. Mm -hmm. Like it's still like growing and there's like one guy from San Diego doing it, but that's it. There's no girls. I'm like, where are all the San Diego girls? No one's, I haven't seen any names put out there for the 200s. So waiting for so, you. Yeah. Waiting for you. So and like, have you heard this yet that um, the 200s are actually easier than the 100s? Well, there's a different strategy involved. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I've gone over the strategies with my coach. Uh, my coach, uh, he coaches Mike McKnight. Mm-hmm. who yeah. just uh, won the last 200. And, he, and didn't his, he just break the FKT on the Colorado Trail? Colorado right? Trail. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, I feel like I'm in very good hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike is shooting for sub 50 hours at Moab 240 this year. Oh my gosh. That's what he's shooting wow. for. Yeah. That's crazy. I'll be out there for five days if I do it, you know, five, six days. But it's all a different strategy. To me, in my mindset, it's more like fast packing. Yeah, because well, in the reason in Catra Corbett, we did like a little uh, mini podcast with her a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I think after Havelina, and she was saying like, "Oh, just do a two hundred. They're easier because of the time cutoffs. Mm-hmm. The yeah. time cutoffs are so generous that you've got time. Like there's napping station, like sleep mm-hmm. stations, and yep. all of that, which is." Wow, I know there. That definitely has my attention as well. Def- like, yeah, and then my buddy really cool. who does it from San Diego. Um, I don't know if you guys know Hector Rodriguez. Uh, he's oh, yeah, doing Triple Crown this year, so he couldn't do the second one Tahoe because it got canceled because of the fires. So he created a 200 mile route here in San Diego. So I was a big part of that, supporting him, going out there and pacing him for miles, doing that too. And I'm like, I think I can do this. So putting yeah, putting the feelers out there. Yeah, yeah. We might have to do another podcast next year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll be following you. How do people follow you? On Instagram, Ultra Izzy B. I'm also on Facebook too, but I don't post that often in Facebook. I use it more for Facebook groups for Ultra Buds, but I'm always on Instagram. Yes, and feel free to send me a DM if you want. And if people are local, how do they join Ultra Buds? Um, how do they get involved with your group runs? When, so when you can runs? find Ultra Buds on Instagram, Facebook. We run every Saturday morning at Lake Hodges at 6.30 a.m. We meet at the Sunset Drive Trailhead. All levels are welcome. If I'm not there, I have four run leaders who help. And my mom is also the walk leader. She's 69 years old. So there's absolutely no excuses. Like, get yourself <laughs> out of bed and get moving. Mm. I yep, love it. Or shine. Love I it. love it. I hope to run into you soon. Um, yeah. Maybe I just need to get my butt out of bed and join yeah, join one go. of those Saturday mornings again. I haven't been there in a while. So I've uh, been dabbling back into triathlon and being on the road and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I love having it all. I love doing it. I love doing both of those things. Yeah. I love the trail and, and triathlon. So, But I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for your time Thank today. you, guys. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. <laughs>